Got a special guest for you guys today. I got my good friend, AJ. What's, What's up? up, my man? I'm good. How are you? Man, I can't complain too much. I mean, we just lit up these Patoros, and lo and behold, one of your favorites is one of my it, favorites. It is, man. Um, man, this is, uh, this is a good cigar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is really a good cigar. Yeah, the only one I don't like about this one is I really like that trick I learned where you can light it with the end of the cedar. Have you done mm-hmm. that? Mm-hmm. Oh, man, mm-hmm. that's... It kind of adds something to it. It's just it's a it's a bold flavor to to add in there with a cigar, yeah. like especially right out the gate when it's first lighting up. Just kind of get that first. It just kind of sets the mood for you, you know. You know, for a long time I'd always use matches. Yeah, that was uh, you know. Then I used the cedar cedar sticks and things of that nature. So yeah, it's uh, it's a different experience. And if you've never done that, that's like. Yeah, an experience you want to do if you're a true cigar smoker. Yeah, everybody needs to give that a try if you haven't done it yet. Well, guys, I think we got a pretty interesting show for you today. AJ's one of the most humble, thought-provoking people that I sit around with from time to time up here, even though he stole my Halloween costume. <laughs> and we like to kick back and, you know, just cut it up, so... I'm really looking forward to doing this show with you today, my man. Well, I think I liked your Halloween costume, too. So, I mean, that was uh, priceless. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just, I really wanted to win that bet. But, you know, maybe next year. We'll see. Yeah, you could have probably pulled it off. That's a once in a lifetime, and that was a, a scary moment for me being a Cowboy fan and, yeah. and, and doing it. So, But Halloween is about... Scaring people, and that's what, you know, I wanted to do, so. Yeah, I mean, roll up some <laughs> Pittsburgh Steelers stuff. I mean, what better way to put it out there real quick? <laughs> well, AJ, let's, let's tell everybody a little bit about you and your background. I mean, I know you were born and raised here in Dallas. Um, tell everybody a bit about your background, where you came from, what you do, stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, obviously, I'm... Um, uh, from Dallas, uh, obviously I've lived in Pittsburgh. I've lived in you know Atlanta for a few years. Um, mainly, I've kind of been in management, but you know that's kind of your day job. But yeah. I was a photographer for over twenty years. Hello, uh, I got into uh, film back in actually I got in film back in twenty ten. Uh, I did a couple of shows. One was on Time Warner, uh, and it was just a video show. And then I got with another show, the Exchange Talk Show. They were kind of six episodes in, and I guess it wasn't going the way that they wanted it to go. And for some strange reason, somebody figured out and was like, I kind of know somebody. So it was kind of word of mouth. And I'd never really done it before, but I kind of had an idea of how I wanted to do it. And, And so I ended up doing the last eight episodes, in which it aired on CBS Channel 21 on Sundays, 1130, right after Dallas Cowboys Weekly. And everybody was trying to figure out this formula because they were getting people that were watching the show. You know, after so long, Nelson's ratings, they're watching the show. And it's like, that wasn't it. I was like, y'all got a good time slot. You know, between 1130 to 12, nobody's changing that channel because the game probably is not coming on to 12 or, you know, if it's a later game. And so we captured a lot of those people. Um and then 2013, uh, my first movie came out uh, with Snoop Robinson, Deceptions of Love, uh, which at that time, you know, we had Redbox, you know, everybody, it was DVDs and things yeah. of that nature, you know, and just 2013 that we were in DVDs and now we're streaming everything now, you know, um, and, and so I, I got that bug 
in here right before COVID, uh, I was working on, I worked on a couple of movies, but I had one that I worked on with Dana Jackson, um, a great actress um, out of Hollywood and a lot of Hollywood actors and things of that nature. And we had a daytime horror movie called Blood Slop. And again, you can find this on YouTube. I'm, you know, any of this I don't stuff do horror movies, but I'll take your word for it. You could do this horror movie. All right. You know, how do you do a daytime horror movie? I don't know, but exactly. I, just, I don't do horror movies, man. I like, I have an easy stomach, man. And like, most of the time when I watch a horror movie, I'm sitting there the entire time going, how messed up is the person that created this? And what would they be doing in real life if they didn't have this outlet yeah. film? Yeah. So you've never read a Stephen King novel? No, my dad was obsessed with Stephen King. I've read some of that, like, like Silence of the Lambs is about as far as I can go as like calling something a horror. But like that, Hills Have Eyes, Saw, stuff like that. Well, see, that. that's gore. That's them. not that's not a scary movie. See, yeah. that's gore. To me, scary yeah. is the stuff you can't see, like Poltergeist and uh, Amityville Horror. Things like that. But yeah. when I that was a kid, me. I would agree with you, and I don't have a problem watching that. But there was a point where horror crossed over with gore, and it's so hard just to find something that's horror and not yeah. just gore and purely on there for the factor of like seeing how far can I push it, how much can I show. And what I really don't like when they did this mixture is there's a lot of things you can imply that you don't have to show. Right. Like, I don't want to watch a gruesome rape scene. I don't want to watch, you know, somebody get dismembered. Like, you can imply with sound and an illusion or alluding right up to it and cut away. You don't have to show it. But sometime in the mid-2000s, I feel like everybody just switched, and it was like, how far can we push this? And that's when I said, nope, not watching any more horror. The Last House on the Left was the first one that did it to me. And I'll tell you the closest movie that I still feel I took it too far, and I have to look away at least twice because otherwise I'll get sick, Law Abiding Citizen. I think it is a oh, yeah. great, great yeah. movie. Gerard Butler? Yes. Yeah, but th- there's movie. just certain parts where you could imply things without showing as much. And that, that eats me up. And then Because I'm one of those people that I visualize things too much, and when I get that in my head... I can't unsee that, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to play in my head. So you just don't want to see it, basically. I don't want to see it. Yeah. Well, stay away from uh, Blood Slop, then. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you that because <laughs> uh, there is some, um, some chopping and things of that nature. So I want to see it. Yeah, you definitely want to. Like so I said, you can probably find that on, on Facebook. The movie I mean, for him, then, would be The Conjuring. Have you seen that? Yeah, I've seen that. That doesn't, that's not like... And a lot of those, like I said, sometimes it just kind of depends on what mood I'm into. Like, sometimes it don't bother me as much. But I'm just saying, there, this Rob Zombie stuff and all this other stuff. Where so, you know, like, gory movies. Far, I don't like the, like, heavy gore. Scream and all scenes, that. You ain't doing stuff that. Stuff like that. Like, right. you can imply without showing everything. Like, we all know what's happening. I don't physically need to see that. So, you like demonic movies versus... Where there's a serial killer or something of that I wouldn't nature. say I like it, but I mean, I, I like the mystery. I like the criminal stuff. Like, I love watching crime shows and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. I just, I don't, I don't want to be taken back through that because that's my problem. I'll, if you show me just enough or tell me the story, like, that's what will get me too. See, people think I get grossed out by seeing it. Yeah. It's the story. So, like, if you start telling me something... I'll relive that in my head. Like, I'll visualize it 
and then I relive it, and that that then it's then it's personal. It's like it happened to me, or I I, I witnessed it happen to you. Like I just I'm too visual of a person when it right, comes to that right, stuff right. that it it eats me up. I can't oh I can't do it. Can't do it, man. <laughs> I mean, I tried every I now and then. Somebody will be like, "Hey, you really have to watch this," and I'll I'll give it a go, but. My wife will be like, hey, turn away. You don't want to see this. And I'm like, yep, nope. Does it give you nightmares? Do you not sleep at night? It doesn't give me nightmares. It's just that I can't quit thinking about it, and I yeah. can't quit, like, reliving that event right. for a little while and get out of myself. Because, like, I'll literally, like, I'll give you a perfect example. So when I was in my early 20s, um, I started dating a girl I knew from high school. We're literally driving eastbound on George Bush, Let's just say coming from 75. And once we get on the road, she has this like gnarly scar on her arm. And she just starts telling me about it. And it happens so quickly. I can't, I get to where I can't talk. I'll break out in cold sweat. Okay. And I'll probably pass out. Gotcha. And okay. Okay. we literally got to about Preston and we're coming up on George Bo- or the tollway. And she had told me so much about how she was in this gruesome car wreck and they had to put plates and screws and stuff in her arm. And she was telling me so much about that night and how it happened. I relived that moment, like visualizing it. And it just, it made me clunk. I mean, I couldn't talk. I got sweaty. And I literally passed out in my truck driving to 70 miles an hour. And she had to pull my truck over, stop on the brake. And she's like, if you didn't come back to in a minute, I was about to call 911. Wow. And like, as soon as I came to, I was like... Yeah, you can't tell me stuff like that because right, right. I will I, I, I revisualize right, that right, event right, in right. my head and it just it like puts me in shock. Right. Okay. Okay. Well, we're gonna we're gonna get off the horror movies. Then. <laughs> that oh, we we can talk about kinda, the filming of you know, and all that shot. stuff. Yeah, we we'll we'll get away from that part yeah. of it. So, but I love film. Yeah. You know, and I think when I when I did my first film, it was obviously to get my uh, IMDb credits. And with IMDb, that's basically, you know, you're kind of telling the industry how much they should pay you. Yeah. Uh, you know, when it comes down to what do you do, you know. And, like, when I started with, when I started with that, that film, I was just doing behind the scenes. And yeah. I probably did that for a couple of days. And then after that, then I got into uh, cinematography part of it and then executive producing and things of that nature. And, and it, was, it was just a bug. I just loved it, you know. Um, and like I said, now, you know, I got a few projects I'm kind of working on that's going to take a little bit longer. Um, and I'm kind of understanding that. Uh, but and because this is based off a true story. And so I'm kind of slowly working through that. Yeah. But I, I really think that any movies that we watch, there's some story behind it. Right. Whether it's yep. a horror movie, you know, or whatever. The only, the only thing I can kind of even I don't know, I even kind of think that with um uh, with these superhero action movies now, you know, and they, you know, for the most part, Hollywood—that's all they wanted. You know, you had the 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 Marvel comics and things that came out in horror movies that was making money. You know, and so, comedy, like the, yeah, you yeah. get your comedy, but when you when you look at that, it's it's key people in that comedy, right? Right. And, and so they're, you know, you're kind of leaning towards what does Hollywood really want, and you're trying to give them that versus being artistic. And saying this is the type of movie I want to put out, and sometimes that may be something you're doing independently now, which is you know weird in itself. So yeah, I want to go back and see that because you and I talked a lot last time you and I sat down and spoke mm-hmm. about photography. We yeah. both kind of came from a background of where we loved photography. 
I mean, I used to take trips just for photography mm-hmm. and playing around with the camera. In the mm-hmm. old school where you yeah. developed your own film, yep. Yep. you yep. know, you played around with your aperture and your lighting and all that stuff and, and just had fun with it. And I think that's really, I, I would love to see, because I've seen a lot of your f- photographs okay. and I follow you on, you know, Instagram and everything okay. else. Okay. And you, you have this. I call it like the true detective eye, like, <laughs> and it's like setting stuff back. Like you take the camera and even though you're, you could be shooting with your iPhone, it almost has that like seventies, like lighting and vibe right. to right. like open it up and, and make it feel like a really old school photo. Right. But it's not. Right. AJ, uh, what's your, what's your Instagram? Uh, Junior Soul Train. Okay. Uh, That's pretty much everything with me. And and I think that's probably the biggest thing because I came from, again, I didn't go to any kind of schooling for photography. I've been shooting since I was like 17 years old. And so when you're doing film, you know, and you're 17, you really don't have money or anything like that. And so I had to, I had a notebook. And we talked about this. I had a notebook. And every time I would shoot something, I would write it down, and then once I got the film developed, then I would look at it, and okay, this is the best. And so over time, that's how I ended up developing my craft. You yeah, know? was it overcast? What time of day yes. was it? What was the weather like? Where's the sun sitting at? Yeah. You know, which end of the, it, it, you know, was there a shadow right here and things of that nature? And I used that because, again, I didn't have lights and things of that nature. You know, I may have had a flash, but then you didn't have all these portable things you know. that everybody has right. that, you know, you're but, able to... I mean, the sun is your best light yeah. anyway, you know? So if you can kind of get that and then you know that you start learning that the sun's going to move on you. It's going to shift. So you need to try to get that, that, that perfect shot right then and there, you know? And so I, I just kind of learned just to go ahead and just, hey, I got to take this, you know, and, and being as quick as I possibly can with it. And I've always liked that old feel. You know, that was... Yeah, uh, I um, love shooting in black and white. I have one on my Instagram that I did, and I, I uh, obviously I did it with the effects in, in Photoshop, but uh, the picture has a whole bunch of Polaroids. And so that was my biggest thing was how can I be artistic with this, you know, and make it kind of stand out and try to be different from everybody else, you know, because you're always going to be looking at somebody and going, oh, wow, I like that. How can yeah. I recreate that, you know? And then, then you're trying to figure out your own style of how can I make this my own style, you know? And that was always the fun part about, you know, doing different things, you know? It's hard to tell a model to pose if you don't know how to pose, you know? So I'd spend a lot of time, you know, in the mirror and just kind of watching where I wanted the hands to be. And I'm doing this myself, obviously. I, I don't want to be, yeah. in, you know, in public. And they're like, what's wrong <laughs> with this dude right here? This so, guy's got something wrong yeah, with him. Yeah, something's wrong with him, up. you know, yes. But it's kind of funny sometimes because when I'm, when I'm um, educating people, you know, and they're like, hey, I got somebody, I'm doing something, and then I'm trying to give them just the little basic poses and stuff, and it's like that goes a long way with, you know, what they're doing. And, 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 and I'm like, I can't be there with you, but if you do this, I guarantee you that at least some of your shots are going to be pretty good and yeah. things of that nature. Um, but, yeah, that's it. That is fun. You know, if you're on my Twitter, you know, my handle always says, you know, I, I, I capture the world through a lens. And, and that's it. So I'm always looking, even from cigars. I, I probably got more cigar, you know, photos than anything. But then it's like I'm 
trying to be artistic when I actually take the picture, which is, yeah. you know, one of those weird things because I just don't want it to look like a, you know, just a regular cigar like everybody yeah. else. I want to tell the story of that cigar and what's going on in that moment. And that's probably the beauty of, 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 of photography with me. Uh, and, and, and just, I just want to tell a story and I want you to be able to see that story, you know, and then I want to bring out the best in, especially if I'm doing a model or something, you know, or a kid, I want to bring out the best in, in, in that, you know, and yeah. like I said, I, I retired from it. I, I, I think I, I lost a little bit of it, you know, and sometimes that can happen. It's where it was just work and wasn't yeah. fun. You know, and how do you, you know, rekindle that, you know, and, and, you know, the photography on, on the cigars now kind of makes it that, okay, if you're going to have a selfie, what is that selfie going to look like? Yeah. You know, uh, one of my biggest things is when I, anytime that I'm sitting here and I got a cigar, I never look head on at the camera, you know, and, and if you look at any of my pictures, it's like, okay, he's got a selfie and I'm looking to the sky. Yeah. You know, and it's just like that's I, I, I want you to capture and understand that that's something totally different. And I'm going to give you all a little secret, too. He likes to hide things in his photography. Like <laughs> if you look at some of his stuff, like he's got this dope shot with the cigar and the alcohol and the bottle in the background. <laughs> yeah. But he's now strategically placed like we'll just use this bottle example. And you see, like, I've kind of got a logo here. This one's too light, mm-hmm. but he'll put it behind the bottle. And if you look close to the picture, you see that like yeah. through the bottle, like we were talking about that picture you took just recently the other day. And yeah. I think that I think little nuances like that are really cool. Yeah, because uh, it adds to it. It's like you, you are being creative and doing something a little bit different than just taking a selfie. You right. know, like you said, right. I want I want it to always be something different. Or I want you to be able to sit back and say, okay, he took that shot. You know, and that's different. And I don't want to really too much imitate anybody else, but I think yeah. we all imitate somewhere, whether it's, you know, watching some television show or, you what know, you're inspired by anything, or, yeah. you know, and it's just making it creative to where that was good. But if I was there, how would I have actually I done that and touch. put a little spin on it? You know, how would you make it? You know, my, my, my biggest thing is, and, and I think we talked about that was, you know, when I got over into the digital world, you know, the digital world, you see everything right then and there. So you're taking a thousand pictures, right? So yeah. I had to learn and, and change and said, okay, I'm going to go shoot something. So my SD card or, or, or compact flash, I'm going to get the smallest one I can because it's only going to give me so much on there. So every shot's got to be perfect. And I, I, I continue to try to do that you know even with my to phone, train yourself yes is that i want to get that perfect shot so if i only can shoot a hundred shots at a wedding man those got to be the best shots that you get because that's it now i'll have backup but i'm trying to capture everything for them but then i'm also trying to put myself on the other side with them of what they want to see when they look back at those pictures and i'm trying to get them to see you know like you know what a wedding you can recreate that first kiss, but when you really get that first kiss, that's like priceless because that's yeah. that, the emotions in that is just something totally different. Yeah, you know. So I try to do that with 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 everything, even even with cigars. That first puff, you know, is like oh, this is totally good, but I want a little bit of that ash on there now, just because <laughs> I want you to know that this is actually a a, a good stick. You know, 
and this is why you want to you should be smoking it and you'd be like i think i want that just because yeah. he had it and he looked like he was enjoying himself with it and just not smoking anything you know for sure i think that's great advice for young photographers or people trying to like better their craft we'll be interested to get business thoughts in a second on this but like i was going to bring that up a minute ago when you said that because i thought that was great advice where you know just because you have an sd card that holds you know a thousand pictures in 4k or whatever doesn't yeah. mean that you need to take a thousand pictures but if you're used to having that all the time you're just going to snap away and you mm -hmm. might be missing an opportunity mm -hmm. to really focus yourself in and narrow down on what you really are trying to capture to whereas like you said if you turn around and now you can only instead of a thousand pictures you only have a hundred pictures yeah you're not going to just be trigger happy with that camera mm -hmm. You're going to take one, analyze it, and go, all right, what do I really need here? What am I, what am I missing? What right. do I got to tweak? Right. What do I have to wait for the sun to do or the shadows to do or whatever in that picture that you're wanting to alter? Right. And it helps you zone in on your craft. Yeah, and that's probably the, the, the best part of that. I know um, Busy has been doing photography and things of that nature, and I've seen some of his work, and I'm like, oh, okay, this is – this is, you know, really good, you know? And yeah. it looks like you're trying to tell a story, you know? It's like I, I look at, you know, your um, profile picture yeah. on your page, and I'm like the darkness on the side, and you're just focusing those eyes right there on it. It's like that's priceless. <clears throat> but a lot of people that don't, you know, shoot, they wouldn't understand that. Yeah, and then, you your, then your asshole friends just say you went and had glamour shots done or something <laughs> want to mess with you, and I'm like... Y'all are a bunch of haters, man. Like, just because I got this cool pic because my boy's a photographer and I was doing this thing for them, I, I don't care. But, you know, but you know me, what I mean. It's, it's artists, you know, and, it's, yeah. and that, that's me. And that's, that, that's about what you would see if I was just up here chilling right. and kicked back. So. But the, your, your friends, you know, and, and us as men, they want us to, you know, we're always rough, right? Yeah. I mean, that's the thing and about be self -conscious it. And we got to be we got to be hard all the time, you know, and, and uh, we can't look soft or anything, you know, or, or are you looking good, you know, and, and maybe ask your friends, that, what, what, did it look good to you or something, yeah. you know, and they want to, you know, they won't sit there and acknowledge that, but they're like, man, I wish I could really have that same picture, but yeah. they don't know how to ask, you know, because that's different. Men don't yeah. ask that question of, you know, how'd you take that and, right. you know, things of that nature. So that's, yeah. that's one thing I'm going to dive into with you because as one of my friends, like that's, that's something I think is really cool about you. And I heard you telling this story to somebody else about how bad COVID affected you personally yeah. and that it kind of changed your outlook on things. Yeah. And I think you are a person that is always you and you put that out there and you truly don't give a shit what other people think. Right. And you're going to be you and you value that above anything else. Right. And maybe you can talk about that a little bit. Cause I know that was a life altering experience to you where you kind of like, you know, Hey, this is one life to live and I'm going to be me. Yeah. I, I think when, when COVID hit, I was, I was always scared, right. Of getting COVID. Um, just because I'm diabetic and I was like, you know, I heard all the stories of, you know, if you have anything going on, when it hits you, it's going to hit you. And right. so I, I got through 14 months of not catching it. 
And then when I caught it, I caught it real bad. And, and, and it, did, it did scare me, right? And I think there's two people got me through this. One was uh, the respiratory therapist that came in and she was like, I think her bedside manner was probably the best and worst that I could ever <laughs> see, you know, because she walked in and I'm on the oxygen and she goes, uh, you need to get off that oxygen. You need to get off the oxygen quick. If you don't get off the oxygen quick, it ain't going to end well. And did just like that and walked out the door. And so I'm sitting there, you know, I'm trying, I'm like, oh man, she's just serious about it. And when they had me over in the, 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 the COVID ward, you know, different room from when I first went in there, you know, everything is in styrofoam, you know, they didn't even have a clock up there. It was just like, they were like, you don't need to worry about time because it's, it's over with. And this, this lady walked in and everybody that came into the room probably was in there less than five minutes because they were just checking things, giving me medicine back out. This lady came in and she was cleaning the room. She must have stayed in there probably about 30 minutes. And I, to this day, don't know her name, you know. But then when she came in and she was cleaning and she was just walking around and she, was just, she wasn't in a hurry or anything. And I'm like, you do know I got COVID, right? Because I'd already made a, a video for my family. Uh, you know, it was like I went, you know, live on Facebook. And I was like, I made my peace with the world that, you know, this is it. And this is what's going to take me out. And she was just like doesn't matter. She was like, my guy got me and he got you too. And so I'm sitting up here and I'm, I'm teary eyed, right? Because I'm like, oh, yeah. wait a minute. What? You know, and she said, I tell you what. She said, you be Superman and I'll be Wonder Woman. And he said, we'll get through this. And I never saw her again. And so to me, I felt like I was entertaining an angel, right? I, I just really did. And so it just changed me to a point where I was just like, Nothing really matters. And what ended up happening was uh, I took the oxygen off to go to the restroom, you know. And when I went to the restroom, and I was so tired and drugged out of it, I came back and I forgot to put the oxygen back on. And so I fell back to sleep. And so when the doctor came in, he was just like, well, you know, maybe you're good enough to go home, you know, if you want to go home. And, 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 and that's where you know, you're in, at least you're at home. And uh, I got through it. But during that time of being isolated in my bedroom, you know, I, I did more reflecting on, you know, does it really matter? You know, whatever you're sitting here, and I always say this now, it's like no drama. That's, that's my thing. I, I don't care what it is. Because most drama, whether it's an argument with your wife or girlfriend or anything like that, it's always miscommunication. All right? They... You said something that they didn't agree upon and vice versa and things of that nature. So then I just got to a point where I was just like, nothing really matters. You know, how about I just love the way I should have been, not mad at the world about anything and things of that nature. And I don't know if I would have been in that state if I didn't have COVID and have it as bad as I did. And I had people calling me. And we're like, you'll get through this. And, and, and that was probably the biggest thing. And then one of my mentors, he was going through it. And I got to a, a, a point to where it, he went through it for six months. And he didn't make wow. it through. 
And so now I am kind of on the tail end of getting through this and like, could y'all please hold the funeral because I need to be there and things of that nature. Yeah. But that just opened up everything to me is that at any given moment, you know, it could end. And I know we know this, but at any given moment, it could be over with. And I was just like, it doesn't matter to me. You know, I mean, it really doesn't matter what it is. And like I was, I don't know if I told you, like my job, but every Friday I smoke a cigar. And if they need me to remember something, they say write it down. Because now I treat my brain like a hard drive. And whatever happened Monday, I probably couldn't tell you about it because it didn't matter to me. And so why am I going to harp on it like we normally do? We keep reflecting back on it. And there's nothing you can do to change it. If it was something that you needed to change on yourself, that's a different story. You know, and you you need to be a better person for something you did. Yes, take that knowledge and move on. But don't keep hanging on to something that is out of your control. And it's in the past as well, too. You know, apply whatever you learn to the present in that next day and, and moving forward. But don't sit there and just continue to harp on something. And I think COVID did that for me is that it it just changed me to where it, it, it doesn't really matter. You know, if I walked in here and it taught you what does matter to you, it does. But I also know people. And that's the probably the biggest thing that I've always done is I know people. If I walked in here and you are busy and I'm trying to speak to you and you never said anything to me, you probably had a bad day. I can't take that personal. Right. Because we all have those days, you know, right. you, you know, so it's like. It wasn't intended towards me, you know, and, and, and I feel like if I did do anything that ticked you off, you'd probably come to me, you know, and say, hey, I don't yeah. appreciate this, you know, and, 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 and I respect that. And I hope a lot of people actually start doing that is that, you know, maybe I read this wrong. Maybe I read you wrong. Maybe you didn't hear me when I spoke to you or maybe you didn't. I'm want guilty to. of that a lot. I don't like confrontation. Yeah. Because once I, I have a hard time of once there is confrontation, I want to end it right then and there. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's not always good. And right. I had to learn that with my wife. When, if my wife and I have an issue, she needs to sleep on it. She needs to really think about it, process it, and talk about it the next day. Well, I was the one that was like, no, we ain't going to bed mad. We need to solve this right, right now. Right. Well, that don't work when you're, I mean, people are different. And until I learned that, those were a lot harder conversations. And I think there's so much in the world today where people don't want to have a tough conversation. Right. And it's probably because they don't want the confrontation or it's a tough conversation with somebody that's maybe not very open-minded or that, you know, they don't want to hear you out. And that's something else to consider, you know, that I've thought about a lot lately that that might not be the friend you thought it was if you can't have that tough conversation. Right. And maybe it's a different scenario than what you actually thought it was if you can't have that tough conversation because there's a lot of avoidance of tough conversations. And then, you know, there's the whole other thing of the media, you know, and portraying certain stories or portraying a certain narrative that I think gets so much stuff just caught up in this one thing that people don't get past that. Like you said, you got to figure out what is important to you. And, and really what you, and, and, and let go of things and not be stuck on the day before so that you can continue to grow and move forward. 
I, I think it's changing our mindset too, right? Yeah. Obviously, uh, a, a lot of our uh, conversations and things of that nature, you know, I think, you know, social media and what other people are doing, you know, obviously, um, why does it have to be a tough conversation versus being a conversation? Yeah. So that's just our mindset, right? Oh, this is going to be a tough, why, why would it have to be a tough conversation? Yeah. You, you didn't, you didn't, you, you felt like you needed to approach me differently because of the state of the conversation or because you thought we were going to disagree. Right. But we're good all the time. Like you say with your wife, it's like, you, you know that you're good. So how do you present it? Oh man, this is going to be a tough conversation because I don't know how she's going to take this or what. So when we start changing our mindset to sit back and say, it's a conversation, you know, it may be a little bit more of a serious conversation than the conversation I had about what do you want to eat? But this is a little bit more of a serious conversation than just saying, I'm about to have a tough conversation because right off the bat, you've already sit there and said, Set the this conversation right here is, is going to probably either go this way or that way. But if we have the positive intent to say, I'm going to have a conversation and I'm okay with the outcome, you know, because again, we're all individuals, right? So there, that, that's the thing about it is, is that, you know, that conversation again is your mindset and what you believe and my mindset and what I believe. And you're hoping that you come to a, a, a common ground with that. But if you started with, man, this is going to be tough, then you've already set the, 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 the stage for it and you're already prepared. You're on the defensive already because you already know that this is going to be tough and I know how they're going to respond to it. Versus if they did respond that way, you don't necessarily have to respond back. You know, one of the things that I teach with, with um, uh, uh, and I'm in management, you know, and so when I'm educating people, it's always the same way. Just because you, you know, you approach me with this, you know, I don't have to come back with you the same way, right? It's easy to say, Garrett, you know, can we, can we stop this conversation for a second? Because I know you think that you're giving it to me well, but I'm not receiving it well. So can we kind of back this up just for a second and, and you know, let's get these thoughts together and can, can we start it over, you know, because I'm taking it totally different than you probably intended for me to take it. And so that's our mindset is that, man, I'm going, I'm, I'm about to go have this conversation with them. It's going to be a tough conversation. I already know I'm ready to fight, and, you know, but when you walk up and if your fists are sitting up and then you're already ready for the confrontation because every time, I, I, I say something to them, I already know the outcome of it. Well, that's not fair on the person. Yeah. That's, that's really not fair on the person because you're automatically assuming that they can't change because you know that they're going to be a certain way when you see them. And even so, dive deep into why that they're that way. You know, that's the biggest part of it is that we don't understand how some people can, you know, you're around and they just don't want to talk. Well, there was something there that got them to that point, you know, because we all were kids, right? And we were all, as a kid, were all empty. And so everything that we got put into a jar was, whether it was the life experiences or people that we were around or something of that nature that helped us form the opinions and things that, you know, and, and, and what we do now. But then you can't be... I can't have the same mindset as a, when I was 20. Now that, you know, I'm a few weeks away from being two nipples. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I, I can't, you know. Yeah, Because that you. wisdom should be there to know that, obviously, I am a different person. 
And so I will approach situations different. You know, I'm not putting myself in situations the way I probably would have when I was younger. And so that's, but that mindset is how do we change that mindset? And I always encourage myself and others, try to be better than you were, you know, just the last hour. How can you be better than that? We don't talk about yesterday and last week, like we always say, you know, can I be better than I was five minutes ago? The one thing I can't do is sit back and say that I'm like the best of the best, you know, that I, I can't do that. But if I caught somebody in your past that you may have wronged and things of that nature, that doesn't matter to me. You know, all I know is from the day that I met you and moving forward from that, whatever happened in that past, that was in the past, you know, because you could have changed from that situation. I can't, I can't make my relationship or, or have my relationship with you based off of something I didn't see or experience. And I think we're so big on that, you know, and with family, family is, is, is probably the biggest thing because right. family's always known you since you were little and things of that nature. And they turn around and it's like anything that you do, they remember how you were. And so you never really change because in the back of their mind, they're always going to be thinking, oh, yeah, he's just, you know, he's got That's this he side on himself and he's, he's a little bit different. But wait, it's going to truly come out, you know, and. And now I'm just like, don't, don't do that, you know? Because again, I don't know if I'll see you tomorrow. So what was that experience like? You know, did I have a good time or did you leave mad at me for whatever reason it may be, you know? And if you did, I'm mad at myself because I put you in that situation because I'd rather for you to tell me something in the moment, you know? Like I always tell people, don't ever lie. You know, that's, that's just don't, don't, don't lie to them. Tell them the truth, even it's going to hurt them. Why are you looking at this dress? Fighting that dress. <laughs> you know, <I'm, laughs> I, I know, I know where it's going to happen, but you at least want to tell them, I want to tell you the truth on it. Because I don't ever want to get to a point to where you're trying to figure out why did I have to lie to you? Because there's something right there that's wrong. And I'm not hurting your feelings or anything, but don't lie to you about it. You know, and I ain't got to sit there and say, you, you know, you look fat. You know, but maybe that color's just not the right color for you on this. Or what are you trying to get out of the outfit that you're putting on? And, you know, how are you trying to look? And, you know, if you think you're looking good and it doesn't matter what I say about it. Yeah, man, that's that's deep. That's that's some good, good knowledge and advice right there for everybody. Something everybody needs to work on. I mean, myself, I mean, just, man, you've had my brain just turning over that the last (laughs) since you started that. I mean. That's why I love having these conversations with you. If you notice, I ain't had to say nothing. Yeah, I'm sitting up you, here like you're on silent mode damn. over there. I normally talk, but I when the message is good, I, you remember EF Hudden? Yeah. There you go. Everybody listens. You know, and I'm not EF Hudden. I I I, I pretty much I, I'm just like everybody else. I, there, there's no different, right? I get up, I go to work every day. I got the same struggles as everybody else. You know, there's, there's always some form of a, a problem out there that I got to resolve, you know, or whatever it may be. But I can dictate uh, my mood when I'm around other people. You know, one of the, one of the biggest things that I do, and, and, and I was talking about this at work, is that um, I've kind of made my place a smart place. So when I pull into the garage, music automatically starts playing 
and it's just smooth jazz playing in the house. So if I've had a bad day, as soon as I walk in the door, my place is saying, hey, don't bring that in here. This is a different mood. And I've kind of learned over time that, okay, now I need to just get back to where I need to be, you know. Um, and I even do it with driving. You know, if I've had a bad day at work, I'll sit out there and just get that screen before I pull off. Because I don't want my, you know, get into some traffic and things of this nature. But I had to learn that, you know. And I, and I thank God that I actually learned it because that was probably the biggest thing. But I had to have COVID and understand what life is really about and how much I just truly appreciate it, you know. And no matter what happens in life, it's really not that serious. You know, you can overcome just about anything. And, and, and I, I always want to try to give that message to, to everybody. You know, my, my, my mentor, um, he, he turned around and he always said, you know, inspired people inspire people, you know. But then he'd also say hurt people hurt people. And I never really understood it until he passed while I was going through COVID. And I was like, man, there was so much that I wanted to say to him to just say, hey, Thank you, you know, appreciate it, or just say hi, you know, and it's something we don't do. You know, it's one thing I love about here is that everybody walks around and they speak to everybody, you know, whether yeah, that's man. coming or going. Yeah. And it's like, where do they do that at? And it's genuine. Yeah, if so, you don't, and if somebody doesn't do that, like, they're usually not around here very long, mm-hmm. or you might see it's their first time. And they might just be uncomfortable, mm-hmm. um, but everybody quickly lets them know that, that, that that's just how things are done around yeah. here. Yeah, I'm, I'm quick to look for the ones that are kind of out of place. Because yeah. I don't want you to be out of place. You know, I want you to come in and, and just be like, man, this is a good spot for me to be and kind of understand. And, and being honest, there's a ton of us men here, right? This is a good spot. And, and I always say about cigars is that we can come in here. And, you know, it's hard to be a man, right? You, you can't get sick. You know, you got to be the breadwinner. You got to do all of these things. They look up. You can't be weak, you know, or anything. But then when you come in here, you can look at somebody and you never have to talk. You just nod your head at each other. That's good enough. I understand. You yeah. don't have to tell about what happened. I understand. I've probably been through that situation before. Yeah. And you lift that cigar up and just, here's to you. I, I could not agree with that more. <laughs> like, that's, I've said this many times. What, what the Franks family has created here is an absolute, like, oasis for family relationships, you know, environment, yeah. just, I mean, everything. To, to either come and embrace that and embrace that with everybody that's in that same yeah. mode as you yeah. and even the others that are going through some stuff like you said that you've probably yeah. gone through or whatnot and I mean you can tell I mean there's certain people you know, the ones that stand out are the ones that like you know certain people that like never buy in and you know like I said you don't see them around very long right. but you know they never say hi to anybody and right. they just do their thing and whatnot I mean okay fine if that's your MO that's your MO mm-hmm. but everybody else that's doing that I mean you can tell like certain people that they're having their day like I said it's just Hey, man. Yep, good. All right. He's not that talkative today, right? Let him do his thing. Let right. him enjoy 
his two hours of sitting there right. smoking a cigar and let him process that because right. everybody needs time to do that. And a cigar in the weirdest way lets you do that, especially when they've created an environment that truly embraces right. letting each person enjoy their cigar the way they want to enjoy it. You know, and sometimes with, with, with um, those individuals, you know, I get into why are they even smoking? Right. Yeah. You know, because sometimes I, I feel like now it's a fad for a lot of people. Right. Yeah. It's like, hey, everybody is, is smoking kind of the same way we're growing a beard. You know, everybody started <laughs> growing beards and stuff, you know, and it's like, OK, that's the fad that, you know, everybody's doing and I want to be a part of it. You know, but then it's like, why are you really smoking the cigar? What is your purpose behind it? You know, mine is unwind. I mean, I, I'm, I'm more relaxed when I'm smoking a stick. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, I really am. And, and then when I'm around good people, all right, yeah. and, and, and the stick tells me everybody's good. It might be some bad ones in there, but the sticks told me everybody is good until they show me something different. But then I'm on that mission of, okay, well, why are you a little bit different? Maybe yeah. we need to figure that part of it out, you know. Uh, I, I, I wouldn't want them to leave, you know, when I know that yeah. there's probably something wrong with them to sit back and say, hey, you know, if it's a fad, good for you. You know, go on. But if it's something that you really want to do, come on in and get educated. You know, come and sit next to somebody. Find out who, what's their favorite stick. Why is their favorite stick and things of that nature, you know. And why do you really want to smoke, you know. Mine was I had an uncle that, I mean, he smoked. I mean, that's all I ever knew from being a kid, you know, until the time he passed. And I had another uncle that, you know, we had the same birthday and. That's where I got my pipes from and smoking the pipes and things. But they always seemed to be happy every time I seen them and they had that stick in their hand or in their mouth or whatever. And I'm like, huh, okay, well, maybe the stick is doing it. Not the fact that they just come around and, you know, and they want to be smiling or whatever. But I equated it to being it had to be the stick that did it. That's awesome. I've been reading a book about vibrations positive mindset, things like that. And the book stated, um, Michael Leto turned me on to this book last week after we got done with, um, hold on, I'll tell you right now. Let me tell you right now. That book is called um, Vibrate Higher Daily. So it gives you different things that when you get in a certain funk, a certain mood, anything that happens, what are, list five to ten things that automatically change yourself to a positive vibration so i said cigar always having a stick does it uh, drawing creating a good old school movie and i mean like indiana jones or right. something like that um so this weekend i was working in new orleans and it was just like ruckus 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 i'm shooting all the bacchus balls zulu balls all this craziness and i didn't get one chance to smoke a cigar until sunday and I went down into the French Quarter, found a little shop, had some coffee. And when I lit that cigar, when I say everything got right, everything got right. And I was like, man. And it's not like a crackhead feeling where I'm feeling. Because I went four days without smoking a cigar. Wasn't no big deal because I was busy. But once I got a chance to sit, smoke, relax, people watch, had this thing called beignets. You ever had a beignet? Oh, man. Oh, my beignets God. I never had one. Ooh. I never had one until Sunday. Beignet, okay. I'm diabetic, too. I had to pull myself away. It was like, 
Oh man, I'm going to a coma out here. Just I thought you were going to go into oyster coma. Is what I thought you That's were going to go into. I eat have all more I oysters. Have, I think I had six dozen oysters over the weekend. Wow. But minimum. Yeah, minimum. I'm sweating right now. You said it, but the vibrations, everything, the moons, the stars, everything on the line. And after I finished that cigar, man, the rest of the day was cake. And like literally, this is my first one since that one on Sunday. Well, second one since on Sunday, I'm cool. Yeah, it's just certain things put you. You can drink good liquor and not drink it to get drunk. It is something that's a zen. You know, it's everybody has their vices for destruction, but then there's also vices for enlightenment or peace. Or just to take you to a different place. It doesn't have to be, uh, like you said, getting wasted. I mean, people people overindulge in all kinds of things, whether it's food, drugs, alcohol, nicotine, you know, you, you name it. But there is also a healthy way to enjoy those things to help yeah. take you to a place, too. I agree with you on that. What's your... Uh, What's your what's a day in your life like? Are you a very regimen person? Do you I mean, you've said a few things that you do regularly to unwind or to leave work at work or to set your mood and tone. But is your whole day like that or do you, is your day are you more open fly by night cuz like me personally, I schedule my day and I've just got back into the gym and working out, trying to get myself in some better shape. And I've already seen once I got my sleep schedule back on track, mm-hmm. and now I'm up at 5 a.m. again mm-hmm. every day. I hit the gym, get that workout in, whether it's a good workout, a bad workout, I'm just getting it in. And then go home, shower, get ready for work, take a few minutes, make my coffee, have a little breakfast write in my journal for a little bit and then I, you know, work from eight to five, get my work work schedule in and then, you know, go from there. Do you have are you a very scheduled person or non scheduled or are there certain things you do to make sure that you put yourself in these positions and mood and mind frame each day? I don't I won't say that it's it's scheduled, but I do have to have some things in order. Um, you know, um, I am, things can't be out of order in my house, whether that's a dish in the sink or, you know, if I see a little bit of dust, I'm over there vacuuming and things of that nature. Um, but that mindset comes from when I was growing up of always take care of your stuff. You know, you know, it's like, I, I, I can't understand how some people is like, Oh, you broke that. I'll just go buy another one. Well, that defeats the purpose of it. You know, it's not yours then. You know, so I take everything, and it's like I, I have to do that. But I'm up at 5 every morning, you know, and I, I do have a, I do have a, a sleep schedule. Uh, I use my phone, you know, immensely for that, is that, you know, at 9.30, it, it says, hey, we're putting you into sleep mode, so you got about 30 minutes before it's time for you to go to bed, wind down, get off of here, do something else. Um, that's helped me a great deal. Obviously, I didn't do that till after the COVID stitch and things of that nature. Uh, But then when I'm at work, I think I try to solve other people's problems. It kind of helps me with with mine, you know, but I also have the mindset that 
Uh, if you have somebody that is at work that is worried about what's going on the outside, and most companies say leave it at the door, or if you leave it at the door, they're going to be inside that whole eight hours thinking about what they got going on on the outside, so they're probably not going to be as productive for you. Right. You know, so I try to fix those things with a balance between what the company wants from them and then for them as a person, you know, and so... Once I do that, that really kind of helps me keep my mood the same way. Uh, but my schedule part of it, it's like I haven't gotten that down. You know, uh, that's probably, and obviously you can see that. It was like I didn't, you know, it's like what do you have going on? And I'm like nothing, but it's clearly on my calendar. But right. instead of going to my calendar to actually look, I was like, okay, I've already committed. And even though I have this, you know, my word is probably one of the, the other biggest things that I'm sitting back and say, I got to stick with my word on what I say I'm going to do right. and not make excuses of it. You know, it's not your fault or anybody else's fault that I double book myself. Right. It, yeah. It's not. And so how do I go about, you know, appeasing to everybody and still doing the, the same thing? So I'm still getting better with a schedule. You know, that's probably the biggest part of what I could get better at. But then again, I should be getting better, you know, not doing the same thing. But then it's like, what do I have on my plate? Yeah. You know, that's probably the biggest thing is that, yeah, I need to have a few more things on my plate. You know, I know it's hard for me to get up at five in the morning. I'm probably not going to the gym, you know, but I have a VR headset and I can sit there and do some boxing right there in my living room and get a good workout off of it. Yeah. Which I've, I've done, you know, a few times. But then it's like, you know, when I get home from work, the mood is set, and then I'm like, okay, well, what do I want to do? And now I'm looking around and going, I don't have to do any chores around here, so what is it that I need to do? Is it a right time for me to smoke? You know, can I spend that time, or do I have something else that I need to be doing? You know, do I want to go to the lounge? You know, yeah. uh, you know, I've gotten into, you know, therapeutically starting to roll cigars, and so I was like, do I want to do that? You know, so... It's kind of open-ended, which I, I, I try to leave that because if I get it on schedule, I'm kind of lost if I can't meet those demands of what the schedule is asking me. You a big reader? Audio. Audio books? Yeah, yeah audio. Yeah, I do more audio books That's, that's probably my biggest thing is that, you know, I'll, you know, like my news, I'll go on my tablet and I'm reading, you know, stories and things of that nature, but then... It's like the books, you know, like I'm going to get the, the book that, you know, Busy is talking about, and I just want to listen to it, yeah. you know, because if I listen to it, I'll stay more focused than if I'm sitting here and I'm actually reading it, you know. I and fall asleep. I'm the same way. I, I do, it. too. I, knock, I listen to audiobooks. I probably say I knock down two books a week, that, but if I read the pages, night, night. I'm yeah. glad I'm not the only person like oh, no. that. I, I, the same, exact yeah. same way as well. I, I, a lot of times, will do the audiobook because I'm in my car or at my desk a lot. Exactly. I'll have that playing. And then if it's good enough, I'll buy the hardback. Mm -hmm. And then when I pick that back up again, the next time I go through it, it's easier. It's usually part of my wind down in the evening, and I'll highlight in it. You know, I, I will straight take a highlighter and just key things that hit me as I next. Now I've already heard it once, and then little things will stick with me more. I do visual learning 
by reading a book. Like, Ikea should have their own university on yeah. following instructions because I think I got Ikea everything in my house. So I can learn by looking at the visual, insert tab A and the slot B and all that. I have to see that. Mm-hmm. Or if I'm learning some camera technique or something like that, I have to visually see it. But reading for education or enjoyment, no bueno. Yeah, I can't do yeah. it. I have to. I'm like that. I learn better physically doing. Yes. And be, show yeah. me and let me do it. That 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 sinks way better with me than just reading something. I mean, you can give me an instruction manual this thick. Yeah, I can read it or I can put it together doing that. But if you show me, I'm going to retain that yeah. way better and be a lot better at doing yeah. whatever that task is. Yeah, I do the exact same thing. Makes me feel good because I... You know, I always wonder if there was something wrong with me because every time I kind of get into my Bible, you know, then I'm like, I start reading and then it's like I'm I'm nodding off a little bit. And I'm like, is there something wrong with me that I just, I'm just not reading this, you know, well. But if you give me something and and I watch a ton of movies, uh, I mean, obviously all time great movie is is Blazing Saddles, right? That's that's (laughs) my movie. Hands down, I, 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 you know, they can't recreate that. Cancel culture. No, 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 they better not. Yeah, leave that one alone. You know, you, you can't, but they can't accept that today. You know, that's something wrong with that movie for them when that's actually just a good movie and you don't take it as seriously as a lot of people would take it. Comedians have had to change their whole thing up. Why? Because of the way the world is now. If you look at the comedies of the 70s and early 80s, it's so much, yeah. it's so different. Yeah. And everybody wasn't so easily offended. Like, everybody didn't take things so damn Think about personally. this. If Eddie Murphy's Raw came out today... Oh. Eddie Murphy would Blazing not Saddles exist. Came out today. Yeah. Oh, Blazing wouldn't, Saddles yeah. came out. Wouldn't there. make it past the premiere. No. <laughs> no. And Mel Brooks is a genius. Yeah, you all know. Day. Yeah, Blazing Saddles, History of the World, Part One, all the man, Spaceballs, all that would not make it today. No. And I, I don't understand where we had this big switch where everybody is so offended now. Because everybody wants to be hurt. Yeah. Right. And it's not like they didn't get, you know, we didn't recognize or hear them then. But now we've set the platform that just go out there and my opinions outweigh your opinions. And then it turns into a big it's it's like any type of exclusivity is wrong. Right. Any type of it. I don't care if it's social class, if it's race, color, religion, sexual preference, all that. It's you cannot be exclusive anymore. Everybody has to belong to your club. And if they don't, you're wrong. Right. That's true. Yeah. But it's, you know, like the world. Uh, my grandparents loved all in the family, you know, and then when Archie you sit Bunker. there and talk about Archie Bunker, you know, everybody thought Archie Bunker was a racist. Right. And, and this is my opinion was he, he, I didn't feel like he was a racist. I felt like he was a product of his time. Right. The way he was upbringing and things that to what him, he, it was just right. Everything he said from calling, you know, George George by his first name, he called him Jefferson. He wouldn't call him by his first name, you know, and and, and then, you know, don't treat your mammy like that. He was a product of his time. And so, but but the crazy thing is, 
George Jefferson was the exact same way. And everybody knows the Jeffersons was a spinoff from All in the Family. And George was, but it's crazy. Nobody called Archie Bunker a racist from, you know, from a white person standpoint. Right. But they all called George a racist. Yep. You know, even though George <laughs> is pretty blatant with how he felt or whatever. But that's when Norman Lear, he captured the mindsets of the time and then put no brakes on it. Right. None. Good times. All those shows he just literally people could relate from the standpoint mm-hmm. of where they came from. And it may, my wife be like, cause I watch uh, cozy TV. Okay. So I go to bed every night watching good times. Okay. All in the family, Sanford and son yep. one day at a time. Yep. Like, man, I'm in heaven. My kids is like, who are these archaic people you're watching? I'm like, <laughs> sit down. You may learn. Something. You may learn. Something. Yeah. Yeah. How you many, know. how many mics does that board hold? Four. Can it hold five? No. All right. Hey, you know what? Yes. If we have a USB mic, I can plug it in on the in the USB. No, we can't because the USB goes through the board here. So four. What about a splitter? If we get another board, yes, you can put more in from another board. Mm. All right. I'm going to figure this out because I just. His wheels are over there turning. I, I feel the it's table It's been shaking. the whole time. I'm, I'm, I'm having a hard time being the host here and asking questions, but he's doing such a good job of just putting stuff out there. Yeah, I, I mean, this, flow. this is what I told y'all, like, when I made the post the other night. This is when, <laughs> when AJ and I sit down, this is the kind of conversations we have, and it's, yeah. it's deep. I learn something every time I talk to this man. Like, every single time I go away – really deeply thinking about something because we have genuine good conversation right and completely different backgrounds completely different right xyz a lot of things in common but i mean every time when i was just sitting here thinking i was like granted i still want to have the other elements but i think when we did the show with my friend darnell and we talked about doing the racism show and really deeply discussing that aj's got to be on that show like we, we gotta have him in here to talk about that uh, just because I think his deep thoughtful insights and everything that I know about him is going to propel that conversation so much. You know, I I think one of the the biggest things and a little backstory and and it came from me coming up. So I was born March the 8th, 1968. All right. About a month before Dr. King was assassinated and, you know, passed or whatever. And my mom told me the story when I was around about 10. Yeah. You know, that her job then now was to protect me because it was difficult for young black men. And and God forbid if you had a voice, you know, they were going to silence that. And so I was like, I I really truly didn't understand it. But she had a, a conversation when she was around 10 with my grandfather and when Emmett Till was murdered and things of that nature. And so it was like, I'm in a different state because coming up, I didn't know any of that. Again, I'm, yeah. a, I'm, I'm just empty. Kids are empty. You know, yeah. You, know, you, you, don't, know? you don't learn that stuff. You're taught that stuff. Right. But it's like why I appreciate going through it, but then I also have a better understanding of people, 
you know. And I always tell people one of my best working relationships is when I was out in Atlanta, and it was with a known Klansman. This is gonna blow y'all's mind. And he was a known Klansman, right? And it was one of the best relationships that I think I ever had with anybody because we knew where we stood with each other. There was no fakeness. I didn't have to come to work and ask you how your weekend was. I didn't have to sit there and tell you the latest joke I had. When we talked, we talked about the business. When it was about the business, you swore up and down. We were the best of friends because it was about the business. But your personal life, I didn't have to get involved with that. And I wish a lot more people were like that, you know, because they're not. You know, they smile in your face and, you know, it's underlining. I'd rather for you to sit back and say, I flat out just don't like you. Okay. You know, is it something I did or if this is your belief? If that's just your belief in my skin color, I trust me, I truly understand that. You yeah. know, because I am in a race that I... The world doesn't know what my race is, all right? And, and, and I'll give you an example. And, and this is not, you know, AJ and, and, and his mind thought, I'm, I'm going to go from what was put on birth certificates, right? My grandmother was born a Negro. My mom was born a colored. I was born black, and my kids were born African-American. Wow. What kind of race do you get to change every every decade or whatever, you know, because, you know, is it you and what you feel or what we want to identify as and things of that nature? When it comes down to it, I, I'm, if, if it was a job application, I always put other on there. And I always said, you figure it out. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to sit here because at the end of the day, uh, no matter what they say, I'm in America. And a human being. Yes, <laughs> and I'd rather just be called an American. Whatever that is, I can't go back to a motherland and things of that nature. I'm an American. I was born here. I was raised here. My father fought for this company, country and things of that nature. I'm just a straight American. Can I be an American? Yeah, why do we have to have all these other boxes? Yeah, I'm, I, I, I just happen to be black or yeah. African-American or whatever you want to, you know, you're going to call me. I'm just waiting on the, the next change that, you know, that's going to come up that say, yeah. well, no, we're not calling you African-American anymore. We're going to call you this. I'd just rather be called an American. That, that's it at the end of the day. You know, get out of this. But it's changing the mindset of not just, you know, people that call us that, but then the mindset of people that truly believe it. You know, and again, I might say I'm American. You know, you can sit back and wear your black and you can call me whatever. I'm good with that. Whatever you say, I'm going to identify as an American. And you can take it because you want to sit back and, and separate or segregate or move us, you know, into this, this Categorize group. Categorize us, whatever. You know, and that's going through. But who else do they do that with? You know, now I think we've all got it because now we're either Latino or non-Latino. Yeah. Before you get it, I'm like, where did we get this from that you want to sit back and just say, oh, it doesn't matter. Yeah. I mean, it really doesn't matter. You can have to with Brandon, right? What is Brandon? Yeah. You know, because he speaks Spanish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fluently. I mean, fluently. So how would you categorize him? And that's the yeah. thing about it is, is that don't want to be categorized. You know, but we're so stuck in our ways that we have to. 
And well, that's you if that's what you want to continue to do, because that's not something that I want to be a part of. And so it's okay. I don't take offense to it and things of that nature, because it doesn't matter. And it doesn't make me who I am that you feel that I am this person or whatever it may be. Can't. I just can't do it. Hey, amen to that. I, I totally, I'm totally with you on that. I think that's categorizing and everything else dry and putting things in boxes all the time mm-hmm. just drives me absolutely insane. Um, we had a deep conversation about that once already. So, um, Let's get that lit before I ask anything else. So what, what, what do you use as your learning grounds? And if you don't want to say too much about this, just because I know a little bit about your upcoming project, mm-hmm. um, wh- where, where do you go to find your stories for your movies? What, where do you get your inspiration when you're getting to do these movies now? Um, or films or short films, whatever your particular avenue is um, at the time, where, where does the inspiration come from? Where do, where do you find your stories? What are you picking that relates to you? What, what, what area or arena are you going down now? I think the same as everybody else. Uh, it's a story, all right? It's, it's everyday life. It's from people. You know, there, there is... There is not one story out there when you look at a movie or whatever it may be, a television show, that's not based off of an experience somebody had, all right? Whether they were a child, you know, um, you know another great, you know, movie is, is uh, I Like the Ten Commandments, right? Where'd they get it from? You know, they had a book, right? 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 So it's, it's just, it's a story that you hear from somebody and the one that uh, me and my buddy are, are working on, it, it came from a story that he was talking about and just in his childhood. And it was like, hey, this happened. And I was like, okay. And it's like, yeah, I went to court and all this. Now I'm starting to think because this might be interesting. But who's it going to be interesting to is probably the, 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 the biggest part of it. You know, who's my audience that I'm, I'm trying to target, you know. Um, but I, I listen to people. You know, and it's like, that might make a great story. You know, it might be a tragedy to them, but it might be a great story. You know, a lot of the horror movies that, you you know, we yeah. see and talk about is that somebody probably had a dream about it, you know, or they saw something in the middle of the night that, you know, maybe a car comes by your window and you see this shadow. Yeah. And now you're sitting here thinking that, oh, wait a minute, that's demonic when it was just a shadow from a car light or something like that. But... I'm just, that's all I do is just, I'll just look and see and, and just be like talking to people and go, this makes sense to me. You know, how can I turn it into a, a story? You know, um, even if it's just, you know, I even have a little uh, short that I'm kind of working on. I, I wrote the script, which I'm not good at writing, but I ended up writing the, 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 the script. And now it's just, do I execute it or do I let somebody else execute it? Um, and, and like I said, it's just a, it's a quick little short film, Yeah. but I think it's, it's, it's funny to me, you know, but it might not be funny to some other people, you know, yeah. in, in that sense, but I need to look out as, am I making myself laugh with it? 
Do I really care if anybody else looks at it and things of that nature? Am I trying to make other people laugh? Yeah, you know, so. And how do you balance, and in that, how do you balance with your background and passion for photography and how you look at the world through that lens? How do you, what do you do to find balance between telling the story and showing the story? I think it's more of what I want to see on television. You know, so even okay. if it's just shooting, right, you know, uh-huh. um, I might look at, you know, there's the, the one camera that's looking this way. I might want to have, a you know, three cameras set up, you know. Maybe the lights are a little bit different. There might be a light that's bouncing down, even though these are high ceilings and things, you know. But then what is that mood that I'm looking for? You know, yeah. so it's like, okay, what is that mood telling me? But then I also go through and say, you got one camera. You got no light. Can you tell a story? Very difficult because you don't have any light. Okay, what if I introduce one light? Can I tell a story with that? And so my mindset is, is mainly on starting from that part. This is all I got. Can I still tell a story? All right, if I got two lights, then I can make the story a little bit better. Now I got three. Oh, I can be a little bit more dramatic with it now in the things that I do. But it's always starting with just that, that one thing that you have. And, and, and mine is the imagination, obviously, um, and what I'm looking for, you know. And will everybody else kind of like what I'm doing, you know. I haven't figured out, you know, like, you know, Steven Spielberg, uh, greatness. Yeah. All of his movies are the same. We don't see that when you sit back and say E.T. and... You know, Close Encounters or Indiana Jones, we, we, we can talk about that. They're all the same because he has the same formula, right? He has family or whatever it may be that come together. Then something gets lost, whether it's a child or, or an object or something like that. That's the, the middle of the story. And then the end, it comes back together. <laughs> it, 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 it's the same. <laughs> Never thought about it like that. Oh, I... I I've studied it. It is true. He produced one of the movies that scared the living hell out of me as a small child. And the formula you just said was the premise of the whole movie. What movie? Poltergeist. Poltergeist. Oh, yes. He didn't direct it, but you, Tobe Hooper directed it, but you might as well say Steven Spielberg directed that movie. Because what happened? Family moves into a crib. Caroline's ass gets sucked into the TV. She's lost. The whole movie is about getting her back. Yep. And at the end of the movie, the family's reunited. Yep. E.T. stopped down the block. The cab left him. He got lost, had an adventure. What happened? They came back and got him. It's your same you're, thing. You're correct. <laughs> I mean, yeah. It's the same thing. A lot of the movies nowadays, there's always a twist at the end when you start looking at like the suspense, yeah. things of that nature. It's like it leads you all the way up to, you know, you know it's that person. You know it. Yeah. And then it gets to the end and there's the twist. There's always that twist at the end. It's who you thought it was. It wasn't. Who Probably. was good at that? Who was a young man? Now he's older. But who in this generation mastered the twist? What's his name? Um, think about it. His name is weird as hell. Sounds like it's a, a it, like it's a Native American name, but he's not. Come on, y'all can do it. Shalom. There you go. 
Yeah. He, he all yeah. his movies always had a Is he the one crazy that does the, like Oh man, we just watched some of these. He did the, the one with Bruce. something. No, no, he didn't do knives house. out. No. He ain't that good. Knives so like out those, and glass onion are those dope. are amazing. Yes. He oh, didn't yeah, do that. See, I but really he did, like stuff like that. He did uh the village. He did the one. The one I really liked by him was the one with Mel Gibson when the aliens came down. Signs. Signs. Okay. Uh, the classic one with Mr. Glass uh, with uh, Sam Jackson and Bruce Willis. Yeah. That they made a sequel. Oh, yeah. yes, yes. Um, That's the one that broke him. No, the one that broke him out is I See, I see Dead People. What was that? Yes, that was uh, uh, Sixth Sense. Sixth Sense. That's what yes. broke him out. Yes. The whole movie, you thinking yeah. Bruce is cool or whoever wasn't in. Bruce. Bruce yeah, and he really wasn't. Yeah. You know? It, it just, even in The Village, everybody hated that movie. I thought that movie was dope. Was you remember good. that? Yep. Have you seen that? I don't that? remember that yeah, one. I do. You got, if you get it, I don't want to spoil it for you because the twist at the end I mean, is I've like, probably the- seen it. I'm just, I'm terrible at this when it comes to like, I watch movies unless it's something that like I absolutely love. I watch it one time short of meeting my wife because my wife will watch series and shows and movies over and over. Just like my little brother. They can repeat lines to you. They can tell you who directed it, all the actors, all the characters who wrote the book. I mean, it, it's crazy. I can do that kind of stuff mainly with music. I can't do it with movies. Yeah. That they, they they are movie Nazis, and they're so good at it. Like I mean, like that that they would kill me in a Jeopardy game if it came to just movies. And who was in that? It was Night Shalom directed these five movies. I remember them. I mean, if you start naming, yep, I've seen that. Yeah, he just but. did one called um, Is it Bones? It's oh, it's called old. I think when people Only go to the a, decent ones is a lie, Sarah. They go to a resort and they go to a specific beach and literally they grow old within a matter of hours till they just disintegrate and they try to escape off this beach. It's crazy. Oh, I saw the previews for that. I didn't see wow. that. Yeah, it's it's it happens in a matter of twelve hours. It's crazy, but anyway. You know, I don't even know if you if you know like with um, uh, George Lucas and Star Wars. Right? Yeah, I'm, I'm a big Star Wars fan. Um, Do but love Star Wars, you know, they were a whole little pack, right? And so he showed the movie to Spielberg, and the movie went. And the iconic start of the movie, because Spielberg was like, the movie's all over the place. I don't even know what it's about. And that's when they were like, okay, put the words and tell everybody what's going on in the beginning. Because he didn't have that at first, which was yeah. like genius. And now you like, you know the whole story right off the bat of what's going on. And then they yep. go into the movie and yep. like, yep, who does that? You know? That's cool. I like that. What's your, uh, what's your favorite movie of all time? Uh-oh. Uh, Obviously, um, Blazing Saddles is probably hands down, I think, greatness to me, right? Okay. Um, but then when I sit back and is it the greatest of all time or, or something that I could be flipping through channels and I'm just going to just yeah. stop there, You can't right? help. You got to stop. You're just going to stop and watch. And I, and I think any of the Indiana Jones movies okay. is, is, is probably going to be that. But I'm still Star Wars. 
I mean, I am like. Would the, you say the, that's the one that's inspired you the most too? Like, for what you try to, what 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 you've modeled some of your stuff off, or what I'm you've sitting taken here freaking and, like, out because my doppelganger is sitting across the table from me. I, like, I know it's a little I mean, weird. It's in, just in like certain aspects. I've had that same out. thought half of this show. So, so when you look at that and think about it, and, and I think what really kind of got me stuck in Star Wars, 1977, the original, right? Do you know what the synopsis of that movie was? Yep. I don't remember. A farm bar boy saves the universe. A farm boy saves the universe. Okay. That's all, that. Let me, get, let me get off in here, and, 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 and I want to sell you this movie. Okay, what is it about? And that's all they said. And the rest is history. You know, so when I'm looking at when I'm looking at also trying to 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 sell, you know, my idea of any show movie, it's like how can I make it quick? Because most people, you got forty five seconds. If I can't capture you in forty five seconds, I might as well go on and just I'm done. You know, because you're not going to listen to me, and it could be the greatest thing in, you know in the world. So but, since I'm looking in the mirror. And I'm going to I'm going to test my alter ego and see if you can do it. You know what a tagline is. Mm-hmm. So 1978, Warner Brothers wasn't born. They released a movie, and it's about a guy with a big S on his chest, mm-hmm. named Christopher Reeve. Mm-hmm. And on the bottom of the movie poster, and at the end of the trailer, what was the tagline? Do you remember? I do not remember. They said, and it was true because this is one of the first movies that ever successfully used wires. Now they were doing it in Japan okay. already uh, with the uh, uh, what was the name of the brothers, um, the whatever brothers from. But the tagline on Superman said, "You will believe a man can fly," huh. and that was that was it. Like you said, so back then it was so simple. They didn't have to be these over-the-top yep. John Wick-style yep. trailers. It literally said, you will believe a man can fly, and everybody showed up to see what they were talking about. Yeah. That's all it yeah, took. I will agree. See, I got way more into Batman. I think I think Bane is my favorite character of See, all I'm, time I'm Michael Keaton, like 89 that. back Michael then. Keaton, yeah, and yeah, he's coming back too now. Bane, was, when he's like... When he was like, I was born in the darkness. Like, man, that whole scene, like, that's no, I, just. Christopher Nolan killed it. I mean, yeah. Joker, the, the second. The Heath Nolan, Joker he, I mean, is he the best died. Joker ever. Hands down. I was done. just about to ask you, who's your favorite Joker? Role. Keith Ledger. And it's going to be decades before anybody yeah. can touch that. Yeah. It's just, I mean, A, the guy died. Trying to come off of that, yeah. Trying to come off of that, character. yeah. And you couldn't have done it any better. So until that's in people's past a lot, I don't think you're going to come close to it. Where I think there's still a lot of room for a character to really come back would be the penguin, because no, they're already doing it. I, I know, but for somebody to do the penguin the way Heath Ledger did the Joker. Danny yeah. DeVito was probably the closest. Yeah. And then they I'll had be. the little mini series where that actor, and I don't know who that was, did a pretty good job. But for someone to really take the penguin and turn it into what Heath Ledger turned the Joker into, yeah. that I think 
will happen before you'll see another but person I agree. come I am, close to doing okay, the Joker. I agree with you. But I have to say the Joaquin version of the the Joaquin Phillips Phoenix yeah. version of the Joker because of the way they approached it. And like my mom ain't doing no superhero movie. She watched the Joker with me and her words were, I know people like that. If you looked at the way they spun that to yeah. be more realistic, yeah. you got, he won an Oscar. That's, yeah. that's the yeah. best transition ever, yeah. though, from somebody doing what Heath Ledger did to that and not making it campy as movie-ish. Yes. And what, what Phoenix did with that to me is it made it almost like that was almost like a documentary. Exactly. That, that His laugh was it. a was a medical condition, a mental condition, yeah. and how he handled pain. Yeah. It wasn't due to being dumped into a vat of acid. Yeah. It was, but what I did like about Nolan's, they didn't even explain. They didn't give a backstory. He was just who he was. Yeah. But but the new one, and you heard about the new one. Have you seen the pictures? I haven't seen it. No. Lady Gaga is Hartley Quinn. Okay. That's, okay. That has potential. Oh, okay. I thought Jared Leto was gonna be a much better Joker than he was. But he was stuck in a James Gunn film, so it's going to be right. Can't be. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. you also, to me, you need a Jared Leto Joker after a Heath Ledger, the same way you needed the Phoenix version to have some space between character change actor changes for characters right. to allow you to have that character taken somewhere else for you. Batman is my downright all time Batman number one, Wolverine number two. two Who's the brands, worst but- Batman of all time? Oh, when they when they got stupid and put Val Kilmer and all them dudes. Yeah, I didn't like they, Val Kilmer. Yeah, that was dumb, dumb. I didn't like Val Kilmer either. And I think when you when you do George Batman, Clooney? like there's certain uh, guys that were no, really good no, Batman, no. but they weren't good uh, Bruce Wayne. Bruce Wayne's, like I agree. Ben Affleck was pretty good as Batman, but Ben Affleck is not Bruce Wayne. Uh, Christian Bale, yeah. phenomenal Bruce Wayne, eh. and a good Batman. He says ah. <laughs> the the Ben Tom Affleck Cruise. version, once again, comic book head. I agree. I you like- have to read the series. It came out when I was in ninth grade. It was called The Dark Knight Returns. Mm-hmm. And it's Batman when he's in his 40, almost 50, mm-hmm. pretty much retired. And the one thing I loved about the Batman versus Superman, that was the first time they let Batman actually let loose. As violent as he was, he actually used the gun. Like, that is the real dark night not the dark night with all the morals and don't be nice no he did what he had to do so ben affleck's that older batman was gruff grumpy worn torn and he realized his old ways of letting them live didn't work he had to finish the job and do what it do so but as you look at all this superhero stuff the one thing i don't like is that that's all hollywood has had for the last 10 years it's like when you talk about favorite movies like my favorite director, Steven is now he's second. 
because I have to say Martin Scorsese is my favorite. And you know his style. Like, and he doesn't even try yeah. to... When they do movies that are different from what they do, that's actually exceptional yeah. because my first of Goodfellas is my all-time favorite mm-hmm. movie. Second, it's a Steven Spielberg movie, but it doesn't involve E.T. It's actually The Color Purple. Okay, okay. Um, that's just like... And it's totally different from what he normally does. Right. That's why I'll embrace it so much. Then third is every Indiana Jones movie except for the one with the aliens. The third one with his dad and the Germans and all that killed it. The Last Crusade killed it. The one that's coming up, I think it may actually be a nice saying goodbye. It may be. For the yeah. character. We'll see if they don't mess it up like the last one. He's going to have to have somebody doing his stunts. That's for sure. Oh, yeah. They they yeah. retrofitted him. They yeah. de-aged him and all that. Yeah. But I have to do that. See, part some of, it. of my favorite movies are going to be 3000 BC. Okay. Apocalypto. Oh, wow. Django's, I wouldn't say it's one of my favorite movies, but it's probably. I watch movie it every I can, time it comes on. I can quote that movie more than any other movie. Yeah. I watch that every time. Quentin Tarantino, uh, period. Yeah. Is dope. Uh, uh, Pulp Fiction. Pulp Fiction. Oh, that's my num- that's number man. Yeah. yeah. Pulp Fiction. And, uh, Sin City. I really liked Sin City early on, and that I, I liked the cinematography between yeah. that black and white yeah. coming in and out. Like, Robert Rodriguez is one of the main. When I started wanting to do movies, I took all of his film courses. And El Mariachi, how he made a movie for sixteen thousand mm-hmm. dollars, donating blood and mm-hmm. all that other stuff. I mean, only thing about Robert Rodriguez, then he got so sucked up by technology after Sin City, uh, Spy Kids, and all these other crazy kitty type movies. I missed his uh, Desperado. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Desperado. Dope. Hands down, yeah. Uh, 300. 300 was great. 300. Yes. Gladiator. Are you not entertained? Yeah. I mean, th- those are, that. that's my lane right there. Yeah. But see, if I came back to uh, uh, another great movie for me was Smokey and the Bandit. Smoking. Not two, not three, the first one. I think Jackie Gleason, hands down, was one of the greatest of, you know, his era and his time. But mind you, I, I grew up in the 70s, and, you know, I love the Carol Burnett show and Tim Conway and oh, yeah. Harvey Carman. That, that was just genius. And if you ever really want to see true comedy, you have to go back and actually just watch everything what from they did. And Living Color, well, Saturday Night Live was in that era. Yeah. So they kind of, like, if you go watch this, hey, Garrett, have you ever heard of a guy called Flip Wilson? No. No. What? No. That's Sarah, what, they what was the name of uh, Chris's favorite movie? <laughs> I, wanna, I can't think of the name of it right now. And they. They gave me, my mom and my stepdad, when we were in Hawaii for two weeks, gave, my, my stepdad was so just blown away that I'd never seen his favorite movie. I can't think of what it's called right now. Sarah will chime in here she in a She said minute. blasphemy. Yeah, I don't know what part that was to, but. <laughs> Sarah, please tell us what, what, what are you talking about on that part yeah. so we can. Hey, what's her favorite movie? What is Sarah's favorite movie? I don't know. If I could pin down what her fav- favorite movie is. My wife loves history. Okay. And she loves going back and watching stuff that involves, like, King Henry, 
Elizabeth, you know, all, all the kings and queens of England. Okay. That like that. So she watched that Netflix show. Um, Guarantee you the answer is yes. I don't know what the name is, but they make a big deal out of every Guaran- season. Guarantee okay. you the answer is yes. Did she She's like uh, Game of Thrones? Oh, yeah. I, we have literally seen, we, me and her, I've seen Game of Thrones from start to finish at least four times. Oh, wow. She's probably seen it yeah. six or seven times. Yeah. Uh, she, my wife is a night person. I'm a morning person. So she stays up and watches stuff, and we'll put stuff on, and I fall asleep. She yeah. continues watching. But that 70s show, yep. Friends, yep. Game of Thrones, trying to think of another one. But, yeah, like that is constant in, in the cycle of things we watch. You know what I just started back watching, which is, is kind of funny, and I've been watching it for about a week now, is Night Court, the original. I was about to say, uh, you know they got I, the new I, yeah, version. I haven't seen the new kid. one yet. I watched it as a kid. Yeah. The Wire is another one that I really love. She was not as big a fan of that, but The Wire, man, I thought that was a phenomenal. The Wire first I think The season, Wire set everything up for what television yeah. is now. Yeah, I will agree. To be realistic. I definitely agree with that. Yeah, she's yeah. historical fiction. Yeah, that The Wire is HBO. Do you know HBO passed on Yellowstone? Really? Yes. They you know MTV it. Productions is doing like a lot of stuff? So you know what I'm watching like obsessively crazy right now? 1883 and 1923. 1923. Oh. I am, I'm caught up on 1923. Have you watched 1883? Yes. Man. And I yes. haven't seen one episode of Yellowstone. See, we're stuck on this king of something in... Mayor of Kingstown. Mayor of Kingstown. I already know what That's you're talking about. Oh, man. That's I'm ate up too. with this right now. See how much, but the thing I hate, we went from as kids having three channels That's to it. now there's so much content out here. It's like $70 for each subscription because it's yep. so spread But it was going to be better than just paying your AT&T U-verse $180 cable bill. And I guarantee we're already all paying we're right back up there, the yeah. same or more yep. having all these damn yep. subscriptions. I got true. YouTube TV and thought I was yeah. free. I did too. Because yep. <laughs> you got to watch. You got to get. It's, it's crazy if you look at it. You got to get all these different things. Just to watch one or two programs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But if you miss out on it, mm-hmm. you because like um, your boy, uh, King of Harlem. Oh, yeah. That's on Epic. Excellent. I don't, I'm like, man. Yeah, Godfather of Harlem. Godfather of Harlem. Yeah. There's nothing else on yeah. Epics I want to see. I that's it. But I'm not going to sit there and pay nine. But because of power, I got stars. Okay. And, okay. But at least 50 Cent gives us like eight different versions of that yeah. show. So I'm cool with that. But for... One show? Ugh. And like you said, when we came up, there was only three channels. And TV went off at 12 o'clock. 12 o'clock. You had that noise. Yep, the Star Spangled Banner. Bed, and you're not watching anything else. <laughs> and then they started expanding over in the night, and you watched all these infomercials and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. You know, but you had good content back then. And yeah. you didn't have... Uh, news was actually news. <laughs> Yes. That was it, right? Yes. You had the news. I mean, it, it, the, the thing about it is, is that you would be there to watch whatever show it was because there was no comeback and here come the rerun or you could watch it later or they're going to show it on the next day. You had day. to catch it live you had or you to had to hear it. about it later. Yep. 
I should have gone here and I should have known this. Sarah's favorite movie is Tombstone. Hands Ooh. down. So if you want to talk about Val Kilmer, yeah, now we the good. best Doc Holiday ever. Hands ever. down. Now we good for yes. sure. Hands down for sure. Wow, I can watch that one all the time too. I yeah, can flip that's through one it. If we go past it, it's it's staying on. Man, yeah, I man, we be here for four more hours. We talk <laughs> about good TV and old shows. So I have a question. Yes. So when I went, I went, I'm, I got an education uh, degree in photography only because I wanted to understand light better. Yeah. That's the only reason. But we had to have a a muse or somebody that you inspired you to pick up a camera so I selected one so before I tell you mine because you know I want to be a filmmaker or I am a filmmaker but um, he did both so before I tell you mine do you have anybody that inspired you and really motivated you to pick up a camera I'm gonna say please don't be mine please don't be the same one please please do this would be awesome Gordon Parks hands down Probably was. I told you this is weird. Genius in his time I, that just made me <laughs> want to look at everything differently and what he did. You know, because he told stories with everything that he shot. And that was just like, I mean, that was probably it for me because he was, he was just amazing. See, yeah. I was more when I got into it. Ansel Adams, yeah, and Sunny Sixteen, yeah, and black but, and white, yeah. That that's what I. So for everybody towards. listening, that was my person. That was I, that your person? I, you see me throw my headphones across it. <laughs> that's where I'm bugging. I'm like, Gordon Parks was responsible for the Renaissance. Yeah, if y'all of got Harlem? that feedback, yes. that was not Garrett knocking anything over. No, that was me over. literally that throwing was my headphones across the desk in the back because <laughs> if I said don't say any, any, any did. He also directed one of my favorite movies, which was Shaft. I like Gordon Parks, yes, Shaft, Shaft wow. with all that, but he was the master of capturing, like you said, storytelling. And it wasn't people setting up and posing. It was street photography at its best. Yep. And when he brought Harlem back to the forefront of everything, people didn't even know it existed in the way of successful black people in New York, upscale, all that. Nobody even knew it existed until he showed that side of it. So and you then said, this dude was from Kansas. All right, I got one for you guys. Yeah. I, got, I got the movie now. And I Uh-oh. know both of you have probably seen this. This is what I caught a lot of flack for not having seen Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. With uh, Robert Newman and... Um, That's correct, because I remember that name. Yeah. It's an old-timers movie. I didn't know I'm nothing sorry, about Paul it. Paul Newman. Paul Newman. Robert Redford. Robert Redford, yes. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yep. That's it. Never seen it. Never seen it? Yeah, I, I know I'm going to have to really soon. I know my stepdad's probably just going to put this on next time I'm over and I'm going to be watching this. So hopefully it's good. I was hoping you guys it were going to be like, oh, man, yeah, you have to. And you guys were like, yeah. Okay. You know what's no, so funny it's, about it's, that? It's I watched that probably a week ago. Really? I did. I ended up watching that a week ago. It's good. Now, some of the other stuff that I have when you start talking about um, genius with uh, comedy, uh, Bill Cosby and Sidney Poitier. Had these Do you want me to name films. them? Do you want me to name them? So I can tell you, and I'm going to probably pull up on, on my phone right now because these were some of the first movies I bought. Don't need the a phone. The very first one, 
Uptown Saturday Night. Uptown Saturday Night. Thank you night, very much. Hands down. And then what's the next one? A year later, let's do it again. Thank you very much. Sir, and then they had down. a third one. It was, I, I don't remember it. Like, it was almost more like a lean on. It's not a lean on me, but it was something. I didn't really like that one like I liked the first two. That if was you know like any of your down. favorite rappers, all their names came from Uptown Saturday Night. Yeah. Biggie Smalls was a character in this movie. Biggie Smalls. Just like that's where they got all their names from. Half Kansas the ra- City okay. Mac. Kansas City Mac. Yes. <laughs> nice. So now that's something if you ever want to just find it on Amazon Prime or yeah. something like that. Oh, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm giving gonna do you it. that. I'm gonna write it down as soon as we get yeah. off here. You yeah. guys are gonna add this to my yeah. to watch list. Those were those were good movies at the time when you talked about Shaft. You know, that's why I'm like, I could, you know, and that's the hard part. If you put all of these movies on different channels. And I'm sitting there looking at it. I need to split screens. I'm probably going to have one over on my tablet. I'm probably going to put one on my phone and I'm going to have one on my television. Because I can't sit there and say, man, I'm going to watch this first and this one. If it's on, I would have all of them on because they're so, such great movies to me. You know? But let's do it again. I mean, that's a... Classic man. song, classic movie, classic... Man, Ooh. that is... And like I said, Bill Cosby and Sidney Poitier, the way they work, because they're night and day, right? I mean, you, you think of Sidney Poitier, you know, and what he was doing in the, in the 60s and, you know, yeah. breaking this color barrier, you know, and how serious some of his, his roles were to see him fall over into something that's more of a comedy. Yeah. They worked well together. I was okay. in the Bahamas last weekend. Because you know he has he has his own bridge because he's Bohemian. Okay. So to get to Atlantis, you have to go over the Sydney Portier Bridge. Faces on the bridge. Oh, he is. They got him all over everywhere in the Bahamas. Big, big, big star. Wow. Didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, it's time to drop our show questions on you. Okay. We do this with everybody at the show end of the questions. Show. Okay, I, I don't know what that is. Okay, yeah, I, I'm, I'm ready for them. Yeah, kind of. I I'm so ready to hear your answers to these because I know these are going to be reels. Biz, biz is going to have to like nail right away because these reels are going up right away because I I just know <laughs> what we're going to get out of this. So the first one is, if you had one piece of advice you could leave your kids. And it was your last, like, dying words. You could leave them with one piece of advice. What would that piece of advice be? Be kind to everyone. Even if they're being, I don't want to say evil to you, to be kind to everyone would probably be the biggest thing um, because you don't know their story. And they don't determine who you are just because they put you in a mood of wanting to hate them. If you just be kind, it fixes everything else. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, The next question, this can come from anywhere. Okay. And because the show is called Common Sense and we just try to talk about things that everybody would want to talk about, some things people don't talk about, just add some common sense to the world today. We ask everybody to give us their two cents. And it could be your two cents that something maybe you 
believe in or you say every day. It could be something, a message you want to get out, something you were inspired from the show, something you haven't got to say yet, or it could just be something you truly feel deep down. It's you just, it's your message. It's your two cents. My two cents. Uh, can I do a cent and a half? Can we cut a penny in half? Maybe you I don't can do know. whatever you want. I don't friend. know. Uh, wow, that's a good question. I never really, you know, really thought about that. Um, Treat people the way that you want to be treated is, is something my mom always taught me. And I never really truly understood it when she was teaching it to me. And it's, it has a different feel when you truly understand the meaning of it. Is that we're all different. But we're all the same, right? If you really look at it, there's no different. You were born of a woman the same way I was, you know. You grew up as a child, and, and you know, you may have had a different, different life than I did, but there's nothing different about us. Yeah. You know, there, there really isn't. So if I treat you the way that I want to be treated, you may return that to me in that sense of I get a joy of I want to see you, you know, and I want to talk to you. And I know that no matter what I may be going through, you can put me in a mood of happiness. And sometimes we just need that happiness in our lives, not even knowing that we need that happiness. And so I just treat everybody the, the exact same way, regardless of, what it is or who they are and things of that nature. Um, I'll give you, I'll give you a quick little story behind this. And, and, um, and my race, right. We have a tendency of, and, and I, and I hate that I see it a lot now on, on social media is that we're policing the police. Right. And, and so everybody's automatically got their guards up when it comes down to, to, to officers and things of that nature. When I was about 17, I was, I got dressed up and I grew up in the projects. I got dressed up. And if you went to downtown Dallas, they had the West End down there. Yep. And that's where everybody went to. I didn't have a car. I had to catch the bus. So I was dressed up. I had a little satchel and, you know, it had where I could just put it on. I was running late to get to the bus. I had it in my hand. So when I was running, mind you, two officers stopped me because they had thought I stole somebody's purse. So when they opened it up, I had my mom's 22 actually in the bag. And they pulled it up and they said, all right, what is this? And my mom always taught me too, just tell the truth. You know, it, it, it doesn't hurt. It's either gonna go either way. So I told them, I said, I'm going to the West End. When the last bus puts me off, it's gonna be on this side of the projects. And I'm like, would you walk back through these projects dressed like I am? Don't you probably get robbed? They took the bullets out, put the gun back in the bag, and told me to go back home. Said if they catch you again, then, you know, they would do something. That could have went either way, right? And, yeah. and, and I could have a criminal record and things of that nature, and I, I don't have anything like that. But they made a conscious effort of just making a decision based off of not the area that I lived in, 
not knowing that they had gangs and drugs in that area and things of that nature, they took my word for what it was and said, go home. And it changed me on, obviously, you know, I guess now if I go to the West End, which I would do, I want to leave at a certain time where I can get off on this side over here and I don't have to walk through those projects. But I've always, since then, always said, I'm going to always give every officer the benefit of the doubt. Now, have I had some that have been kind of shitty to me? Sure. But I gave them the benefit of the doubt. All because those two ladies, and we used to call them Cagney and Lacey. I don't know if you remember that show. Come on now. You know, but Cagney and Lacey is what we call them. And I, I'm, I'm still looking because I want to know if they're still around. Because I want to say thank you to them. Because they could have changed my life that day. Me not knowing, right? I, I got this yeah. gun in here, and, and if I'd have got into a situation, I don't know if I would even use the gun. You know, I, I, I don't know. I just thought I'd feel safe just because I had it. But they made this conscious effort, and I want to try to find them. And about mm, maybe not even a year ago, I was ended up, I, I was smoking a cigar, which is, is common ground again, yeah. uh, with uh, Eddie Garcia, the chief of the Dallas police. You know, and he was out trying to be quiet, not trying to do anything. And, and when it was all said and done, you know, I pulled him to the side and was like, you know, thank you. I appreciate this. And he was like, you know who I am? I was like, yeah, I know who you are. I just, you know, I'm not going to disrupt your evening because I know who you are and you're trying to yeah. be incognito and things, you know. But I, I, I said I wanted to, to reach back out to him um, to see if I could find or if they had a way to know who was actually working that area at that time. You know, this is, this is the mid-'80s, you know, and then to be able to sit back and just say thank you to them because they truly don't understand what they did as far as my life goes and actually doing what they felt was the right thing for this kid that was just probably shouldn't have been in that situation, you know, and, and they changed that. And, and like I said... That's uh, that's probably something else that I'd say is just just tell the truth, and when you're open and honest, and I think we talked about that earlier in the show. Just yeah. when you tell the truth, you know it's gonna go either way, you know, and hopefully your character, you know, they determine that if he's telling the truth, then that's it, it, it's it's a part of his character, and 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 your character is probably one of the the most important things. You know, with me and again, I got to go race and being black, you know, the only thing I have is my integrity and my word, you know, and I spend my life protecting that more than anything because Absolutely. I know that that is, is like once I lose one or the other, I'm already behind the eight ball because of my color. You know, I got to walk in the door and I got to work a little bit harder than if you had to walk in the door. And that's, you know, and it's not towards you, but I'm just I saying understand. it's just it's, it's something totally different. So I'm always trying to protect that part of me, yeah. you know, and I, if, if, if i if you ever see me like angry about something it's because somebody's trying to sit back and take my integrity or trying to take my word and trying to twist it to something that it's not. And that's probably the only thing that I think I could ever get upset about more than anything is because that means that you really don't know me as a person. Yeah. And you didn't take time to get to know me as a person. And you're adding 
maybe a situation that you had with somebody else that may have been black or whatever, and you automatically assume that I was going to be the exact same way, you know? So yeah, that is probably the biggest thing that I could, I could sit back and say is that, you know, tell that, just tell the truth. Because again, 17 year old kid in the projects, I should have went to jail. I know I should have went to jail and who knows, you know, where I'd have been. Yeah, I had a hard time getting a job. Changed. I don't know. You know, it could have been a lot of things. They probably could have gave me time and, you know, I could have been locked up and, and got into the system or whatever. But it's, it, it's, it's one of those things I say I'm blessed because it never happened to me. But my mom always said, just tell the truth. That's all you got to do. If you just tell the truth, then it'll get you, you know, you're going to get you out of a situation or they're going to make their own opinion about you anyway and there's nothing you can do about it. Absolutely. Well, it's time we wrap this up. AJ, my brother, thank you, man. I love you, man. I had a great time. Love you Definitely. too, man. Had a great time. Hope you'll come back and join us again sometime. Sure. And I hope you all enjoyed the show. We're going to be back with another episode for you guys next week. And until next time, we'll see you. Peace. Peace.